0: Hello and welcome to episode 138 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the frightening. This week, we're going to be talking about both the original and the remake of Fright Night on your mini golf and sushi podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and when I'm not watching Vampire Flicks for podcasts, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm Matthew Vose. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Vose. I really wish you'd pitched for like, and the Fright Nightening.
0: And the Fright Nightening. <laughs>
1: Fright Nightening. <laughs> I'm not sure Fright Nightening is, is is actually a verb.
0: No, it's not. But we could we could make it so. Absolutely. That's what we do here.
1: Um, double Bill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Two movies in one. Fright Night,
1: Double Bill. hmm
0: both Fright Night.
1: Both Fright Night, yeah. So cracking into Vampire Month. We're so excited for Vampire Month. We're doing an extra vampire film.
0: <laughs> Matthew was so excited about Vampire Month. We're doing an I'm extra. I'm a little bit
1: excited about it. <laughs> this is a slightly unusual one. Neither of us have seen these films. Yeah. I'd seen chunks of the original, I think, in other shows, like talking about 1980s creature features and mm-hmm. scary movies and that kind of thing um and i think my perception of it had caused me not to see the new version of it as they're like oh god that looks that looks bad and it's a remake of a film that i don't think is gonna be very good so and you and you like david Tennant, yeah so
0: yeah (laughs) i yeah i didn't know these movies really existed until very recently um okay i wouldn't i didn't know they were about vampires for sure even when i found out about Mm. them because it's a movie called fright night i assumed it was just a scary movie And Mm -hmm. as we've previously talked, not my genre. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been something I ever would have considered. But then I started seeing photographs of David Tennant as Peter Vincent. And I didn't know what they were from. Like, I was like, I need to know what David Tennant is doing dressed like this. And I discovered it Mm -hmm. was from Fright Night. And then I was like, okay, I don't know what it's about. I don't care that it might be scary. It's got David Tennant in it. I really need to watch it at some point. (laughs) And then it turns out, It's about vampires, so we slid it into Vampire Month.
1: We staked it into Vampire I don't know. (laughs) Some vampire reference of putting a thing in somewhere. (laughs) I don't know. Um,
0: David Tennant
1: looks good. He's pretty ripped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Both. (laughs) Okay, so the pictures that I had always seen of him were in costume Mm. as Peter Vincent. So with the long hair, the piercing, Mm. the tattoos... All of those things. And I was like, I really, really need to see David Tennant in this character, Mm -hmm. right? But then it turns out in the movie, that's a character. So he like pulls off the wig, wipes off the tattoos, and he still looks really good. Yeah.
1: Boy, he's working out. Like there's
0: just, David Tennant can almost do no wrong. (laughs) Almost.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Folks at home can't see the grin on her face, but. There's a grin going on over here. <laughs> it's
0: David Tennant. What can I say? He's my doctor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's come
1: back to people walking around shirtless later, because <laughs> I think there's more that we can we can talk on that. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about what Friday Night is about? Sure.
0: Um, so a teenage boy discovers his neighbor is actually a vampire. So he enlists the help of famed vampire hunter Peter Vincent to take him down, which actually works really well for both of them. Mm-hmm. Even though both movies did, you know, I mean, they were. Loosely the same story, but they kind of took different Mm -hmm. directions, I think. But the the basic plot line is that for both of them. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, I like that they sort of, it's a really interesting parallel to say they both started in this way. And then some of the character stuff and some of the set piece stuff goes very differently, Mm -hmm. which is nice.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right. So Fright Night is a 1985 American horror film that was written and directed by Tom Holland but not the Spider-Man Tom Holland. It stars William Ragsdale, Chris Sarandon, Roddy McDowell, and Amanda Bierce. It grossed nearly $25 million at the box office on a $9 million budget. It was received favorably by critics and audiences alike, and has held a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It has become a cult classic that spawned an entire franchise, including a sequel, a remake, a sequel to the remake, and a Bollywood adaptation. The 2011 remake, which is the other one we're talking about today, is billed as a horror comedy and was directed by Craig Gillespie, while the screenplay was adapted by Marty Knoxon. It stars Anton Yelchin, Colin Farrell, Christopher Mintz Plass, David Tennant, Imogen Poots, and Tony Collette. It hasn't fared quite as well on Rotten Tomatoes, with a rating of only 72%, but it does say that it may not have been necessary to remake the 1985 cult classic, but the new Fright Night benefits from terrific performances by Colin Farrell and David Tennant, and it's smart, funny, and stylishly gory to boot. Okay. So how were you able to watch both of these movies?
1: So the 1985 one was on TV on the Horror Channel a while ago. Nice. So I was able to record it and watch it on there. And the 2011 one I picked up on DVD. So yet another one for the pile of vampire DVDs that, again, listen around December, we'll do something with them. Right.
0: So many DVDs.
1: Mm, uh, how about you? How were you able to find the, both of them?
0: Um, well, the original is actually available for free on Crackle here. And then the remake is available to rent everywhere. It's okay. just here. Nice.
1: I think the remake is one that pops up occasionally, and you can generally rent it. Mm. It was just cheaper to buy the DVD too.
0: Mm, yeah okay fair enough that's right you've been getting your dvds for like
1: cheap cheap 50p or a pound i think this might might have been a pound 50 yeah
0: that's still still cheaper than renting absolutely
1: exactly yeah um okay so we've got a lot of people let's let's hit some of the the big points you talked about the directors the writers and the actors Mm -hmm. uh obviously roddy Roddy mcdowell not andy mcdowell
0: (laughs) i said roddy mcdowell didn't i
1: Yeah. I'm doing a friends joke.
0: Oh, okay. No? no. Um,
1: Do you remember Julie, that Ross dated? Vaguely. And Monica wanted her to cut her hair? Monica? Rachel? Someone wanted Monica wanted her to cut her hair. Like Andy McDowell, I think this was around four weddings and a funeral. And Rachel says to her, no, 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 you're thinking of someone else. It's actually the one from Planet of the Apes, Roddy McDowell.
0: Yeah, okay. that that is
1: like my my running video. Weapons. Okay, okay, got it. Tell us what you know of all these people. <laughs> Let's run through them quick. All right.
0: but... Yeah, it's it's a long list, and I'm actually familiar with a lot of them. There's only a few that okay. I'm not. So, um, Tom Holland, I am familiar with some of his projects, but I've not seen any of them. Right. It's like he did Child's Play, but obviously, I've never seen Child's Play. Right. Mm. <laughs> um, Chris Sarandon. Um, obviously, he's Prince Humperdinck. Right? Yeah. Um, we have we talked about him briefly before, because he also voiced Jack Skellington in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm, of
1: course, yeah.
0: Um, Amanda Beers, she was Marcy on Married with Children. She's done other things, but that's what I recognize her from. Which one was Marcy? The Neighbor's Wife. Okay. Um, William Ragsdale, not a thing, but in a different world, he would have been on Charmed, because he was cast in the pilot, but okay. turned it down to do something else. Okay roddy mcdowell i know his face and his name and he has done so much but none of it actually seems familiar and maybe i recognize him from the original planet of the apes but i don't actually think i've seen
1: probably not. the original yeah, planet of the he, apes i think he's one of the ones under all the makeup and he's in i think most of that original franchise mm-hmm. i think he was then even cast in the tim burton remake of Planet of the apes less said the better
0: okay um, moving on to the remake, Craig Gillespie, nothing. Not a thing. Um, I think this was his directorial debut, but I haven't seen anything he's done since then.
1: He directed I Tonya, which is superb. One of the best films I've seen in recent okay. years. Okay.
0: I wanted to see it, that's but I what, haven't seen it. Mm,
1: yeah, that's worth going and finding. Yeah. And I was I was genuinely surprised to find out it was him as well.
0: Okay. So. Um, and so at, at the end, during the end credits of this, I actually ended up tweeting that I had no idea the screenplay for the Fright Night remake was adapted by Marty fucking Noxon. Because, oh, yeah, yeah really? I didn't know that. I
1: I assumed that was, again, one of the reasons why you wanted no, to. No,
0: I had no idea. But I adore okay. her. She can right. almost do no wrong to me. Obviously, Buffy and Angel She's up there. I've seen some of both Unreal and Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Netflix movie To the Bone was amazing. Um, it's about a, a, a girl with anorexia. It follows her story.
1: That's that's Keanu again, isn't it?
0: Yes, it absolutely yeah, that's is. On my, it ke- is. My,
1: my Keanu list to see.
0: <laughs> it's really very, very good. Um, okay. And then she did a show on AMC that mm. lasted... A season, eight episodes, maybe 12 episodes, and then it got canceled. It was called Dietland. I hated it. I watched the whole thing hoping it would get better, and it never did. And there are so many people who disagree with me on that, but I hated it. So that's Marty Noxon for you.
1: It it sounded like it would annoy me, so I I did ignore that. It
0: had a lot of potential, but it just, to me, it was not executed well. I had a lot of issues with it. Um, Moving on, Colin Farrell. You know, he was in a movie called Phone Booth that I've seen referenced a lot recently because Joel Schumacher and Kiefer Sutherland were both in it. And we've talked about both Mm -hmm. of them recently. And it didn't occur to me that I knew what movie that was talking about until I saw that Colin Farrell was in it. Turns out I have actually seen it. Ah. The movie I most associate with Colin Farrell is uh, The Recruit with Robert De Niro, actually. Okay, yeah. And then, of course, Fantastic Beasts.
1: What was he in that?
0: He was the uh, Grindelwald in disguise in the first oh, one.
1: Oh, not, not Johnny Depp.
0: Not Johnny Depp. Before Johnny okay. Depp. He turned into Johnny Depp.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like men go through it. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad joke.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's really funny. Colin Farrell, I do not think of as someone I would seek out and watch. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, you look at his list and, you know, it, he's got in there Daredevil and SWAT alexander
0: right Some
1: some missteps and particularly missteps where he was big on the cast mm-hmm. but then like he's really good in minority report Vin- veronica Guerin is supposed to be excellent uh imbruge is wonderful the lobster is weird but i really enjoyed it mm. he was in widows and widows blew my mind earlier this year
0: okay
1: like he just has and i wonder if it's because he's actually quite a hard-working actor he has several things every single year mm-hmm. So, like, you know, 25% of them are going to hit.
0: Right. And they okay. hit quite well. Yeah. I mean, he's extraordinarily talented, for sure. And he is not unattractive okay. to look at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of those
0: things is true, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I guess well, we might get into some of that whenever we talk yeah, yeah, about okay. his portrayal of okay. Jerry the vampire. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. Um, Anton Yelchin. Jerry.
1: Jerry. Jerry. <laughs>
0: um anton Yeltsin was the main character in the remake and i only know him really as Chekhov in the kelvin timeline star trek right yeah um before his you know when, untimely death
1: yeah um you, you know when we talk about characters uh, actors who are genre actors and sometimes we say they're not genre actors mm-hmm. i think he might be a genre actor and i just never clicked that he was because certainly the stuff that I see, I have seen him in is Star Trek, a Terminator film, this, he's in a zombie film called Burying the X. Mm, okay. um, there's there's just a lot of things that are fantasy, sci-fi, horror right. type things uh, with a load of drama in in amongst there that. He's in a film called Thoroughbreds, which was dark and strange. Okay. But everyone rated him and said he was going to be one of the great actors. So I think I might need to seek out some more of that mm-hmm. drama stuff. And so I'm not just catching him as doing young Chekhov, young Kyle Reese right. <laughs> remake of this film. That kind okay. Of thing.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right. And of course we're going to round out all of the famous people with David Tennant, right? <laughs> He's my doctor.
1: Ah, yes. uh, blood judge. <laughs>
0: um, and, and I didn't mention um, in the new one, the, the girlfriend and the mom both actually had really bigger parts in the remake than they did in the original and so I probably should have yeah. put them in this list. Amy was played by Imogen Poots, who I her name sounds familiar, but I don't didn't recognize anything she'd done.
1: She's in a film called The Look of Love, which looks terrible. But I keep seeing so many people who had bit parts in it that I'm like, mm. maybe I should just just to see all those people, but no.
0: Yeah. No. None of this stuff looks familiar to me. I think and she's British.
1: Yeah, so- Hmm.
0: I did not know that. Most
1: most of them are British.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Except, obviously, Toni Collette.
0: I love Toni Collette. Hmm. Um, I first came to Toni Collette in The Sixth Sense. Okay. That was my first thing that she ever did. Um, And then she did a wonderful movie with Cameron Diaz. It's an adaptation of a Jennifer Weiner book called um, In Her Shoes, mm-hmm. which is also amazing. I love her in that. And I've seen her do other things, but when I think of her, those are the two things I think of.
1: Okay. Have you ever seen Muriel's wedding? I have not. Let's put it on the list. Okay. Oh, let's oh, we should do Australian drama comedy month. We should come up with snappier title for it first.
0: <laughs> are there are there that many Australian comedy drama yeah. movies that I need to see?
1: there was this whole thing in the 90s of Muriel's wedding strictly ballroom um, Priscilla Queen of the Desert the Dish somewhat a few years later like there are that that were seriously popular and successful okay and Muriel's wedding is awesome and i think you might like
0: it a lot. okay put them on the list
1: okay good that's that that was her you know breakthrough role and then she just crops up in Ooh, everything yeah <laughs> you might say Yeah, every
0: time i see her i'm like oh i know who she is i like her
1: yeah mm. right that's a lot of casts. we had to go through a lot of them i'm not going to ask the similar material thing because the similar material thing is horror films and vampire films and we've talked a lot about them okay okay so it, it's going to be a little bit weird to talk about this because it's two films mm-hmm. do you want to give a, a, a your feeling on each film and then we'll talk about the watch order and things like that how did you did you enjoy Fight Night and Friday Night. I did.
0: I actually enjoyed both of them. I did okay. not expect to enjoy the the original from 1985 because right. horror from the 80s just yeah. Watching it for the first time today is tough because not because of the story, not because of the acting, but because of the visuals, right? Mm-hmm. the The special effects, well, I guess the practical effects, just weren't that great, and that's my expectation mm-hmm. going into these kinds of movies from the 80s. Um, I didn't expect to like The Evil Dead, right? Kind of for the same reason. Um, mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed both of them. I did enjoy the remake more. Okay. I would rewatch the remake. I don't think I would rewatch the original. Unless someone asked me to.
1: So, which order did you watch them in?
0: So, I watched the remake first. Okay. And then I watched the original.
1: Okay. I watched the original and then I watched the remake.
0: As one should. Yeah, mm.
1: I I don't think I can recommend the original.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I and maybe this was just me in watching it, but I was expecting it to be funny. I think I think I had heard it was funny or fun, but it like you say, it is pretty much played as a straight horror, and it pales in comparison to things like A Nightmare on Elm Street that did some of the same horror stuff okay. much better.
0: Hmm. I see a difference. I mean, I Nightmare on Elm Street is something I would compare it to as being similar because it is a straight horror film, but it's a it's a different level of scary. Okay? Because in Nightmare on Elm Street, you've got I don't know, Freddy Krueger is scarier than any vampire. Let me just put yeah. that out there, right? Like Freddy Krueger himself is terrifying. But when you've got somebody like Chris Sarandon playing a vampire, like, he's perfect for that role. And most of the time, you're seeing him as Chris Sarandon. And so it's not horror. Mm-hmm. It's suspenseful.
1: Okay. Does that make yep. sense?
0: And so I I, I, I don't want to say it doesn't live up to the horror of Nightmare on Elm Street because I don't think it's supposed to.
1: Okay. I, I wonder if that's the modern sensibility l- looking at it because I think the horror that's supposed to come through, that sort of shocking horror, is... Where he transforms, where the girlfriend transforms with the giant male. Oh, yeah. The attack of the bat. Stuff like that. I think it's supposed to be like, oh, wow. And now it's like mm-hmm. all graphic stuff that we've not seen done on screen. Right. Before. Yeah. And, and so so I think like watching it and expecting something slightly different than perhaps we got lessened it for me. Okay. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is pretty ordinary. And I've got a couple of thoughts on why that was a bit ordinary as well. And that then... This is why I'm quite pleased you watched it in the other direction because I think it changed the way I watched the remake because I was just watching the remake to be right? what did they do differently? Mm -hmm. I had a mindset of, I don't really like this story. I'm not really into it. Some of the choices are a bit rubbish. Let's see what they change and how they do it. And actually, I think the the remake does go to a slightly different place Mm -hmm. in, in a much more modern way. It's got a little bit more to do with some of those that like the paranormal activity and jeepers creepers type horror movies Mm -hmm. than monster right horrors it Mm. it
0: had very much a cabin in the woods vibe i think and i Mm. i I don't know i feel like most modern horror kind of veers in that direction now if it's not trying to be like insidious you know you've got like Mm. the straight horror now which is so scary like nobody really wants to watch it except everybody does or Mm -hmm. you've got the horror that that pokes fun at itself and this is falls into that side i think right um but it's done very very well okay and i think that's probably one of the reasons why i liked it better because it wasn't just straight horror trying to scare me it was trying to entertain me not scare me
1: yeah and there was stuff in here that was like, oh, that's a good action bit, because mm-hmm. action horror. And perhaps that's the way we should define it, action horror rather than scare horror. Maybe. But I liked I liked that it didn't go for comedy. It was fun. And particularly through Peter Vinton and David Tennant, it was more fun. Mm-hmm. But it worked better as an overall story, just being like, this is a guy who figures out about the vampires and then has to deal with them. Yeah. and And, and in both of them, that's quite a nice bit of the story that actually he figures out, their vampires halfway through and is the rest of it is just then dealing with that and the vampire knows that he knows right whereas like a lot of the others the traditional vampire stories are more like uncovering the vampires as we go and
0: yeah this was kind of right out of the gate in both of them i think it happened a little sooner in the original Mm -hmm. um because in the original it was just charlie saw it and figured it out instantly. And in the remake, we had the story of it was his friend.
1: Yeah, it was Ed who who sort of got him to the place of understanding it was a vampire. Um, Which made Ed, in some ways, a better character.
0: Oh, Ed was so much better in the remake than the original. Like, I couldn't stand him in the original. Like He didn't need to be in the original.
1: No. I, I I felt he was channeling a lot of John Cryer's character from Some Kind of Wonderful, which might even have come after this, but it had that kind of friend sidekick type who's actually a little annoying
0: right a John, little annoying hmm. what
1: was what was John Correa in some kind of wonderful
0: I don't remember Pre-
1: was it pretty in pink
0: he was ducky and pretty in Pink. ducky
1: pretty in pink there we go thank you
0: yes that's <laughs> him yes
1: <laughs> So, so I
0: think I'm glad I watched the remake first because I yeah, would how- have expected <laughs> I think I expected both of them to be very campy I, I expected right. the original to to have, I don't know, to, to be more like the Evil Dead, right? With ash and okay. craziness yep. and, and all of that stuff. Poking fun of it itself, knowing full well what it's doing. And so getting like modern camp, which is very different from 70s camp, right? But getting modern camp in a movie that I really enjoyed and then watching the inspiration for that camp and kind mm-hmm. of out of the gate. I understood, oh, this is supposed to be straight horror. This is not supposed to be campy, and. I don't know what it was specifically that made me realize that, but it happened really early on, probably in the first fifteen minutes, um right. and it was just I think it was' the music choices were not over the top. The acting wasn't overly melodramatic. It seemed like these guys were trying to do a real straight performance, like this was something that was happening to them, and yeah. If I hadn't already seen the remake, I probably would have kept waiting for it to be camp. And I, I, I don't know that that makes sense to anybody but me, but mm-hmm. that's how it worked for me.
1: I, I think that's fair because I, I think you're right. With the exception of the Peter David stuff, like it is trying to be something of a naturalistic version of a vampire story. Mm-hmm. This is just a suburban neighborhood and a vampire moves in and the kid who can spy on the vampire through his window weird Mm -hmm. um he's the one who figures out like he's a vampire and then goes after him yeah so like it it is just doing normal neighborhood normal kid normal relationship stuff right
0: and you get his friends Uh, who are concerned about him right they're not mm. i mean so ed is campy because ed is yeah he he i don't understand the character choices (laughs) he made playing that character with the grins and the smiles and the giggles and all the crazy stuff that he was doing but I mean, they obviously cared about Charlie and they weren't trying to shut him down or belittle him. They actually tried to Mm -hmm. help him, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't believe him. And I think in a movie that was trying to play for laughs would have gone a completely different direction with those relationships.
1: True. So in coming to the new one first were there bits of the story that surprised you things in it you were like oh that's a nice take on the vampire myth on the way it's doing this sort of horror story
0: the idea that i think that like the vampire mythology in general was interesting to me in this one because the the transformation from looking human to the monster was unique That's not what I expect vampires to look like. You know, that's not what Dracula looked like in the original, in the 1992 Dracula. You know, he looked much more monstrous. And then, you know, we're accustomed to more humanoid, like, their face changes and everything else still kind of remains human. And that's not what Mm -hmm. happened here in the remake. And so that was surprising. Um, The idea that this is a tribe of, like, super vampires was interesting. I didn't know there were different kinds of vampires, so that was fun. Okay. You look confused.
1: Yeah, let me saying that. I'm not that. following on that point. How do you mean?
0: When in, in the remake, when Peter Vincent realized what the he saw the picture that mm-hmm. Charlie had taken, he he came back and he was like, "Oh well, I know what this is. This is a specific kind of vampire. They nest underground. They I don't remember what else he okay, said, but he was talking about how they are much harder to kill. Okay. I don't remember if he named them at all, but he did talk about a tribe. And I know that was part of Charlie's notes.
1: Right. I, I might not have been focusing on David Tennant's words at that point.
0: That's fair. It's
1: possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's absolutely fair. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. And I, I couldn't tell. It felt a little bit in some scenes that Jerry needed to drink human blood to maintain the human shape. But I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's actually what they were trying to say or if that was just a coincidence yeah. in how, like, he was changing, he drank blood, and he immediately went back to human. Like, mm. was that just because he prefers to be human or did he need that blood to maintain that shape?
1: I, I think a little of column A, a little column B. Okay. Uh, and that is very much part of that Dracula thing. Mm-hmm. We saw him when he when he ate the crew of the Demeter and he suddenly was young, Gary Oldman. Yeah. That kind of yeah. thing. Mm.
0: Okay. They didn't do... The so the original was very much Dracula esque than the remake was, like they went yeah. in a completely different direction. So, the original we did have changing into the animal, like so the vampire, human, animal, cross, mm-hmm. monster thing, and they did not do that in the remake, which I thought was interesting.
1: I, I think Sarandon's portrayal of Jerry was that Dracula esque, charming, mm-hmm. you know, bit debonair. As the chap who lives with him
0: <laughs> yeah speaking of the chap who lives with him yeah yeah i don't understand so at first i thought okay he's human with dracula not dracula but a vampire it's like okay i can buy that because you know when we watched dracula we saw harker and we saw renfield mm-hmm. right so he yeah. had this like kind of familiar, familiar. Hmm. but billy wasn't human I don't know what he was, but he wasn't human. He wasn't a vampire because he could go out into the sun. But Mm. they shot him in the head and Mm. he did not die. No. What was he? And he died when they staked him. He turned into the goo when they staked him. So you would think he was a vampire, but we saw him go into the sun.
1: I I think from a story perspective, he was some sort of Igor style familiar. Mm -hmm. Daylight protector type. I think, from a movie perspective, they wanted to get more monsters in there, okay, so that they could. Ju- and that's why it doesn't have vampires in the title,
0: mm. okay.
1: I, but it's really interesting to compare that. Do you think the way Farrell plays it, or is written to play it in the remake, the the sort of muscular everyman plays basketball, does jobs around the house type? Do you think that's done so they can differentiate the character and make him something different, or do you think that's just a modern take in the way he, Colin Farrell acts because Colin Farrell, we said we come to him acting, he's a bit Al Pacino-esque, he plays Colin Farrell and everything.
0: Okay, that's fair. He does play Colin Farrell and everything, but I enjoy Colin Farrell, so it works for me. Although okay. I didn't actually really enjoy this performance, and I don't know if it's because I didn't enjoy the performance or I didn't enjoy the character. Oh, interesting. Okay. Jerry in the remake was a letch. Your dad ducked out on you, huh? Your
1: mom, she didn't. Exactly say, but uh, There's a kind of neglect Gives off a scent You don't mind my saying you got a lot on your shoulders for a kid the two of you alone And your girl Amy she's ripe I bet there's a line of guys dying to pluck that. Your mom, too. You don't see it. Maybe you do, but she's putting it out.
0: He was awful. Like, the right. things that he said to Charlie when he was trying to get Charlie to invite him in mm-hmm. were awful. Like, the things that mm-hmm. he said about Amy, the things he said about his mother. Like, I think he said they were both ripe.
1: He says the girlfriend is ripe and and the mother gives off a scent of neediness or longing or something. And it's like, dude.
0: Like, it, it was not okay, I think. And that no. was the moment that his character really lost me. Like, he okay. had potential up front. But during that scene, I was just like, okay, there's no redeeming qualities. Like, there are evil vampires that I like. Mm-hmm. This version of Jerry Dandridge was not one of them. No, yeah. Whereas Chris Sarandon played the character as a very regal man, right? Mm. And he was someone that I could completely understand being starstruck by, right? And I could completely understand why Amy was all Twitterpated after he kissed her hand, you know? Like, he (sighs) had that kind of charm about him. And, Twitter pated. Yes, Twitter pated.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> I wish they had given Colin Farrell a little bit of that instead of just making him feel like, I mean, because even the way he was dressed, he was wearing the wife beater, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like best, he was best. sloppy. We call it over here. He was just sloppy, and I wish they had done something better with him.
1: Yeah. D- why do you think they've done that different? I don't know. Okay.
0: Unless. Some of it, so there's a significant difference in the two movies with the way sex is portrayed. Mm-hmm. And mm. oddly enough, I think it, there was way more sex in the original than in the remake. Maybe way more explicit sex.
1: I, th- I think we see more couples together,
0: right? And there's yeah. there's mm. nudity, like actual mm. nudity, in the original. Um, we open with Charlie and Amy, and and Charlie is being an asshat in the opening scene of the original because she says no, you know, and he's not okay with her saying no. And as Mm -hmm. we just go on, it continues to be, scenes around Amy tend to be about sex to the point where the vampire even changes her clothes to put her in a sexy dress before he changes her, right?
1: And when she's bitten, she's all like flowing hair. right Her hair
0: turns it? blonde and long, sexy. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But in the remake, there is definitely sensuality. and there's
1: mm-hmm.
0: a hint of sex happening. Um, but you see it more in he seems to get his kicks from the actual biting, not from the act of sex. right. Like yeah. this is vampirism as sex metaphor, mm-hmm. not. Mm -hmm. We're going to go have sex, right? Um, And and so you did get the scantily clad neighbor, Doris, I think, was -hmm. her name. Mm -hmm. And so we see her locked up, and she's not wearing a lot of clothes, but we don't actually see a sexual act between them. And even when he does end up with Amy, it's sensual, but not overtly sexual, I think, in the way that he touches her and bites her. We don't get the sex until the end between Charlie and Amy. And then it's consensual loving relationship sex, right? So I really enjoy the way that the remake handled that. And so I wonder if because they were doing that, they had to make Colin Farrell seem overly sexual in the way that he spoke. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. I'm stretching
1: yeah, I, I do like where Amy turns up when she's a vampire and kisses him. That's actually quite a nice moment because there is this like, oh, actually, Charlie's lost her. Mm-hmm. Whatever the right word for that is. Right. But like, you know, he was fighting for her. And now she seems to be happy doing this thing. So some interesting choices to be made. Right. I mean, they don't go there, but.
0: I thought they were. I thought that I didn't realize because watching the remake first, I didn't know that. Killing Jerry would undo what he Mm -hmm. had done, so I didn't know that Amy could still be saved. Mm I I was genuinely shocked that she turned.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that in the first one actually. I will agree. Like, oh, they're actually killing a main character. Right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, Although, when in the first one, when they very explicitly say, like, "Well, if you kill him before dawn, it will turn her back." Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, and we don't get that in the remake until David Tennant comes back. And brings the steak and says, oh, use the mm. steak. It's blessed by St. Michael if you kill him with this. Was it St. Michael? was St. Michael, yeah.
1: St. <laughs> Michael's is a chain of, it's a clothing brand over here. I don't okay. even know if it still exists, but it's certainly when I was younger and it's a, for older people. Okay. Clothing like, like, like everyone could buy the stuff, but there was definitely a thing of. But anyway um, Talking of David Tennant Talking of nudity Because we have David Tennant and Ginger And they're (laughs) quasi sexy sexiness Going on That's true. And I was a bit like Why is she walking around with her dressing gown open So we can see her bra That's a bit weird Yeah. And then she she introduces him to David Tennant And suddenly she's holding the dressing gown closed But then you have David Tennant running around half naked most of the time So it is a bit like I'm not sure you can have it both ways film But at least you are like Everyone in this loft is wearing very little.
0: Right. Well, I think because, I mean, this, it made sense to me in the context of the characters. Because David Tennant's playing Vincent Price, who is a Las Vegas headliner.
1: I am not now, nor have I ever been a Las Vegas showgirl. I am a headliner.
0: Right. And so he lives this life of rock star luxury. Right, he's mm-hmm. living in the penthouse of a hotel, right? So in Hollywood, in the world of movies, this is what you expect from someone yeah. in that life. It was interesting how many times David Tennant said the word fuck. Fuck you!
1: Oh, leather it doesn't breathe, you know. Fucking rashes
0: a fucking kidding me. How the fuck should I know? I read books, man. You think, you think I'm hanging out with Dracula and that he's the Bunny? Uh, fuck off! <clears throat> Get the fuck out of my house! I was <laughs> surprised by that. Um, so the dynamic between him and and her was interesting. I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, because she at least gave as good as
0: she, she did. Absolutely.
1: I mean, yeah, the way he treated her is usually problematic. It's like come on. But actually, yeah, they were a very feisty couple. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that was just the way they interacted with one another and I liked it. And you could tell when she died, he was genuinely distraught. Mm. I think talking about David Tennant being shirtless, his drunken swagger with just those really tight black pants on (laughs) is (laughs) one of the best things ever. (laughs) Like, I would recognize David Tennant from the back without ever seeing his face because of the way he does that walk. He has done that walk as Doctor Who. He has done that walk as Crowley in Good Omens. Like, he just has this swagger about him. And I like it.
1: I like it a lot. It's very much a, like, he does that walk and then he goes, it is defended.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, yeah
1: yeah okay okay so peter vincent in the original is the sort of classic tv serial you know presenting it's my creature feature fright night mm-hmm. uh, you know hollywood b and c movie and that kind of you know avuncular character right are they doing david tennant as the rock star peter vincent just again to make it different
0: well, I think that kind of character doesn't make sense in a modern world because we don't do that anymore. I mean, unless you're watching Turner classic yeah, right. movies, right? No, no, that's that, yeah. We just that that kind of person doesn't exist in mm. our modern landscape, and so they had to come up okay. with a way to make him famous, so he had the name recognition about vampires in a world that doesn't believe in vampires but still accessible. And so I think right. that's why they went the direction they did. I was surprised. I honestly thought watching the movie, and I, I said this up up top, I thought Peter Vincent was Peter Vincent, right? Like, I thought he was a vampire hunter. I thought that was who he was, not somebody <laughs> playing a character. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was it was really, to me, that was an interesting twist, because, again, I hadn't seen the original, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. that, well, in the original, he was playing a character as well, yeah. right? Um, so I, I think that they did a spectacular job of adapting the source material to fit into the 21st century. Honestly,
1: mm. yeah, yeah, and I think I think we're gonna come to set pieces and stuff mm. that really set it apart as um, the thing. But one of the things that that uh, from a character perspective I think sets it apart is the inclusion of Tony Collette as an actual character in this story. Yes. We talked in, in the lost boys about the parents not getting involved in kids films or teen films, this kind of thing. And I think you're going to have to remind me here in the original Fright night. There isn't a dad. No, there's not, but she's a widow. I don't, I, I don't even know. It... it might not even be mentioned, but, but again, it's very much about doing all this stuff without letting the mother mm-hmm. know rather than, but in this he goes to, her and he's like, she, he's a vampire. You can't let him eat. And again, like we said in Lost Boys, she backs him. Right. She says, right, Jerry, go to the police then. Fine.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you know, she and, even and gets to hurt him.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. She then, like, right, everyone pack up. We're going in the car. We're getting out. Of yeah. Him. Yeah. Mm. I mean, admittedly, after that set piece that we'll talk about in a minute. but
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I. She always plays such a good mom whenever I see her play a mom. Mm. And I... I like that they put her in this role and that they gave the mom a bigger role. They gave Amy a bigger role. Like, they were Mm. both active participants in the battle against Jerry. Absolutely. Not just victims or not even present. Because by the time we get the battle in the original, the mom's just gone to work. Like, she's just not even there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and and Amy got a lot more to do as well, Mm -hmm. which was really good, you know, and... I think Imogen Poots was actually very good in this. Again, it sort of feels like having watched all these films, like women in vampire films don't seem to go on and get
0: more parts. Mm, Maybe. very
1: strange. So I said that I had a couple of thoughts about why the 1985 version didn't work quite so well for me. Now, we keep talking Buffy on these vampire things. (laughs) Buffy might be... do you know a while ago when i was watching the west wing i i thought about doing a thing about how like there's no other fictional american president we've ever seen have so much happened him. i mean there's definitely no real president who's had uh, you know the all the thing about the illness has had kidnapping has had terrorist attacks has had you know absolutely everything happen but at the same time like this was a seven-year TV show. Right. So they have to come up with a lot of stuff and to go through. I think Buffy's the same. Like uh, There are not many vampire stories that ran as long as that. Mm-hmm. So there have to be a, a lot of details to all the vampires and stuff they do with it. That's fair. But the original Fright Night feels like Buffy very much took some of that principle. That idea of this is just normal suburbia, normal, nice American town, and suddenly it has vampires in it. So we have to kind of keep the normal and the fantastical separate. But there are some people who are in the know who are kind of trying to fight it. And and, and Joss obviously put the spin on it of what if the blonde girl chased in the alley was actually the vampire hunter? Mm-hmm. You know, that very good spin that works absolutely. But I think Buffy takes everything Fright Night the original wants to do and then does it better. Which is why watching it now, I was like, you know. This is not good. I I have seen this done well. I have seen, you know, what if the person next door, what if your roommate is a demon and how you deal with Mm -hmm. that? And, you know, that done as a metaphor for worrying about what your neighbors are up to metaphors for the way people treat you before and after sex metaphors for, you know, the changing of blood and saving people from being in a gang that's actually a gang of animals eating people.
0: I see what you're saying, but I think I want to give Fright Night credit for coming first and right? for trying yeah, to do it. Because I think that if we didn't have movies like Fright Night and The Evil Dead and The Lost Boys, we wouldn't have Buffy.
1: No, that's very true. I I just, yeah, I think that's why it didn't land for me. And and I didn't really realize it at the time. Okay. But it's particularly like having had the conversation about Blade. Right. um, And how, you know, all the similarities to Buffy there, the conversation about the Lost Boys, and all the similarities to Buffy there. And it's like, whilst there aren't direct parallels, there's no spike in this, there's no angel in this, there's no things we can say are directly ripped off. I just think tonally, stylistically, the situation, Mm -hmm. that's where I feel like there's a parallel. Okay. And and yeah, you are absolutely very right. We should give it credit for saying, you know, this allows... Vampires to go from creature feature horror movies and Dracula movies, which this might be towards the end of that period. Right. And into, oh, The Lost Boys and does it as young people and Buffy that does it with a kind of modern fun rather than anything else.
0: Well, it is interesting thinking about... So there's only two years separating this movie from The Lost Boys. Right. And if you put those two movies next to each other, they are unrecognizably dissimilar, I think, Mm -hmm. from the idea of what a vampire is to what a vampire looks like to the special effects for how the vampire was killed. Like, it was yep. very, very different. The Fright Night is very reminiscent of the 70s, mm-hmm. more so than the 80s, I think. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like a 1985 movie. It feels like a 1975 movie. Oh, interesting. To me. Um mm-hmm. Because the, the special effects are very similar to what we saw in The Evil Dead. Yep. And that... Am I wrong? That was in the 70s, wasn't it? Uh, Oh, God. Was that one in the 80s, too? And I'm just wrong. I think it might
1: have been the 80s, but like 82? Uh, 81.
0: 81. Basically the 70s, right?
1: Basically, yeah. (laughs) Well, it is the first year of the 80s, so.
0: Yeah, so. And you
1: can all fight me on whether 1980 is in the 80s, because it's the last year of the 70s.
0: I disagree with you, but that's not a conversation for this podcast. (laughs) I don't know. You just, you get a lot in, in Fright Night, you get a lot of the, like, the claymation stuff using the oatmeal as the the melting face <laughs> yep. and that sort of thing. Yep. And then two years later, we get the Lost Boys where I, I can't even remember.
1: Explosions and. Yeah. I mean, you still got some melting. of the goo,
0: but it wasn't, it didn't look like Silly Putty. Yeah. Right. So they feel like they're from two different eras.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's talk a little on on vampire movie evolution. Okay, because th- this is really interesting to go from this to twenty, you know, 1985 to twenty eleven. But within that, you've got nineteen ninety two, Dracula, nineteen ninety two, which and Buffy was in, Well, I'm going to come to that. I'm <laughs> just
0: saying, don't we're not
1: going to mention Buffy? No, um, but you've got that kind of um, modernization of a very classic film and a classic story. Mm-hmm. But even that, like the Victorian stuff, felt very much steampunk more okay. than classic Victorian styling. Right. So, you know, with the dark glasses and some of the styles and stuff, it's, we see it more in a kind of steampunk setting these days. So that's doing that style, but in a, in a modern way, you got Buffy, which is again, trying to really modernize it. And some of the effects are better. And some of it that they're not trying so hard to do explosions and face melting and gore and things right. possibly from a budgetary thing, but actually less is more. You go to blade, where some of the vampire effects were really good. Like, the the vampire stuff was not overdone. Mm-hmm. It was mostly just fangs.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, and, and you know, Quinn having his hands cut off and stuff. The, but the dusting effect was exceptional. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yes, but, I, but I C- love that our vampire movies evolved from dissolving into goo to dusting. Yeah. Like, and, that and- is a wonderful <laughs> change.
1: <laughs> but but that's very much like CG has taken over and is now doing it better. right. And of course, into 2011, where it's combining some of that, but a lot of it is CG now. Mm-hmm. And I think the effects are more about how they style things. So, so, that set piece where he then blows up their house by ripping up the gas main from outside, mm-hmm. like, and he's pulling giant chunks of earth out and then pulling it through, like, that's an exceptionally well done sequence. Yes. And then when you get the fight underground, And you've got like bare bits of earth and stuff feels much better than some of the same stuff we saw in Dracula and in other films of that sort where it's this looks like a set and you've just colored it like earth. Mm -hmm. This actually felt like they were in the bowels of the earth with people coming out of the walls and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also interesting piece of I don't know if this is vampire mythology exactly, but Mm -hmm. the way Jerry tries to take Peter Vincent down is he throws a rock at his head just to make him bleed. Yeah. A single drop of blood hits the dirt that all mm-hmm. of his vampire children are sleeping in, and that's what wakes them up. Like yeah. a single drop of blood that's like 10 feet away from them. It's interesting.
1: It's nice. It's like, like a shark in the water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that. Um, I kind of wished that we, because that's a change from the original. In the original, it was just Jerry yeah. and his his Billy. Right, he Billy, wasn't making really a family, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wasn't making a family. He was just trying to live there and feed. Mm. And in the remake, he was trying to build kind of like an army, maybe not an army, yeah. maybe just a bigger family. But that was nice.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and I had actually forgotten about all the other vampires in it until you reminded me, mm-hmm. because it was all so centered on Colin Farrell hunting them, right, and doing a very good job of hunting them down. I quite, I quite liked the fight in the penthouse. Mm-hmm. was actually quite well done there was some very cool stuff going on in there yeah
0: yeah mm. um one of my favorite scenes and i i didn't even note this in my doc was when mm. he's chasing amy and amy shoots <laughs> him chasing amy. and you know the he pulls the bullets out and he just looks at it and he's like werewolves because they were silver yeah. bullets um and then yeah. she sees the cup of holy water and she's just like vampires and throws it in his face <laughs> like they gave her stuff to do you know and then mm. she comes back with the mace and she hits ed, she hits ed right ed, ed, ed. Yeah, she yeah, gets yeah. him off of charlie and that that whole sequence was really nice
1: yeah and and fun to use like sort of classic tools of it mm-hmm. but then you see him going to the hardware store and tooling up with a crossbow and right right Buy a retardant suit and stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's cool
0: I enjoyed it okay. a lot
1: yeah so I, I mean is there stuff from the original that you would want to talk about as a favor or is it all on the remake
0: no I had a line so I really enjoyed while I like the character of Peter Vincent better in the remake I think Roddy McDowell mm-hmm. is adorable
1: okay. and I, but, you, but you liked David Tennant more is what you're saying
0: <laughs> of course
1: interesting okay we'll note that for future
0: (laughs) so he had a line that i actually thought was perfect because this is coming in like the cusp of when things are changing in cinema in like what audiences want and they acknowledge that in the movie itself because peter vincent's character gets fired from playing that character and introducing all of the movies and It happens right before Charlie comes to try and enlist his help, and he has this line.
1: I have just been fired because nobody wants to see vampire killers anymore, or vampires either. Apparently all they want are demented madmen running around in ski masks, hacking up young virgins.
0: And I love that call-out to the change of like, creature Mm -hmm. horror from Mm -hmm. Creatures of the Night to just humans who do bad things like we get with mike myers yeah. and jason
1: mike myers freddy jason yeah, yeah all of them mm.
0: i i thought it was meta and it was really nice
1: yeah and and yeah, it's a really nice shout out to like cinema is changing because what's possible is changing but also we uh, you're you're absolutely right we don't rely on series like that to bring us old films because at this point VHS was becoming a thing home cinema was becoming a thing right you know it was only 1984 over here that the BBFC introduced the video classification system okay so they they said right we're actually going to classify stuff for home differently because it means it's more accessible people are going to be watching it more They're going to be able to freeze frame it mm. so like yes yeah, cinema was changing because you weren't just you see a film once and then maybe you see it 10 20 years later
0: right yeah, you could mm. watch it every day if you wanted to.
1: Yeah. But of course that's why we don't need a and on Friday night we'll show you a classic horror film or a classic Hitchcock or something. Great.
0: Right. Yeah. Because you own them. Mm. Yep. What about you? I
1: I I find it hard to give too much credit to that original because I did think it wasn't great. Okay. Like it did some interesting stuff. I think it is there's a reason I hadn't really watched it or been pushed to watch it before. But there 's stuff in the remake and and like I say, finding out it was from the director of Itonia makes a lot of sense because there's a couple of shots that are pretty beautiful mm-hmm. and one of the things I loved about Itonia was certainly the ice skating sequences are just extraordinary. There are some shots in Itonia that are just some of the best i 've ever seen there's There's one in this of, of Charlie when he 's been to the penthouse, and I think it 's when David Tennant isn 't prepared to help mm-hmm. him and he's all tooled up and going to go and, and fight. And he's going down in an elevator as the sun's setting behind him. And there's this real feeling of like sinking and going to battle with dark forces.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Just, it's really evocative. And, and I, I quite like that. I mean, it's done a lot with CG and green screens and stuff. So fair enough. But there's also the bit when the house has exploded, which is really good. The fact that he's outside, he's not invited in. So he finds a way to blow up their house. Mm-hmm which surely you could just throw a flaming thing through but he rips up the gas main and sets fire to it to explode to the inside of their house it's right. quite nice they're driving away and you just have this i it's a long shot it's a very long shot it is a very very long shot <laughs> it must be 5 minutes plus because it's them getting in the car and the car driving away them all checking they're okay and suddenly he throws the motorbike at them and it comes in the back back Right, and the camera goes into the back and watches what amy's doing and trying to deal with that and then it comes to the front and it it, and they're still driving away but then you see him in a car coming towards them from behind and it then zooms over and you see him like sideways on as he overtakes them Mm -hmm. tries to ram them and then he parks in front of them and they hit him and i think it might only be that point when they hit him that the shot changes it might even go on after that with him underneath the car
0: no yeah it did because he's underneath the car but it's
1: yeah. It's not until I, I they
0: stop it, and get out that the shot changes. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah,
1: it's it's amazing. I think some of it is a combined shot. So they've sort of done a you know virtual representation of them in the car so that it, it fills in the frames between it going from a, a shot that's head on to the, the camera going to the side of the car and then coming back to the front and then going into the back seats. I think they've sort of done some computer stuff to fill in those those bits of the shots. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. It's the sort of thing Fast and the Furious tries to do every so often, and it doesn't really work because it looks, it just looks unbelievable. But again, because this is a people mover SUV type vehicle mm-hmm. on a normal American road in a normal American town, like it kind of works better.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I loved it. Uh, that uh, that was just so cool. That whole sequence. Okay. And, and we mentioned it earlier, but let's give some credit to Tony Collette who was fabulous. Yes. You know, and the character in general just believing her son and so on, but oh, she's just so much she's so good to watch on screen because she doesn't try to do anything more than what her character is. She is just a mum who's trying to look after her kids mm-hmm. and get away. And like you say, she she then goes at him. She's prepared to drive at him, she's prepared to hit him with a car to do whatever she can to protect him. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm.
0: Yeah. I knew we were gonna get a good performance from her as soon as she showed up. Like I didn't yeah. realise she was in it until I saw her and I was like, Oh, it's Tony Collette and I knew mm. that's when I knew the mom was really gonna do something. Like she wasn't just gonna be in the background. And I mean, for most yeah. of it she was, and you know, she ends up in the hospital for the final battle, of course. Um mm. but she believes her son and she mm. helps, you know. She she like you said, she has his back and it's just so refreshing to see that.
1: Yeah. And and they have a good relationship. Mm-hmm it feels like a very honest relationship between them and yeah it, it just works so much better than something the old one and writing around with the fact that like she's actually got a head injury and that's why she has to stay in the hospital and can't join in at the end mm-hmm. it's much better than she's gone off to work right <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah mm. all right well is there anything else that we need to discuss about either Fright Night movie
1: there are sequels no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, let's talk about what's coming up. So we've done five vampire films now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're wrapping up on what we do in the shadows. Yes. So let's talk a little bit on, do you know anything about it? What are your
0: expectations? I have no clue. Nothing. I know you like it a lot. And I know, yeah, but, yeah. I think <laughs> it spawned a TV adaptation or did it come from the TV? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a TV version it too. I know that, that, but I don't know anything about it. Okay. I just know yeah. you like it a lot.
1: Right. <laughs> Cause yeah, this was my choice for them, mm-hmm. I think. So I'm quite excited. Yeah. Mm, good.
0: All right. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eloquent gushing. You can send an email to podcast at eloquent gushing, or if you would like to send us a voice message, you can do that at speakpipe.com slash eloquent gushing.
1: And Pop culture Deprived is completely funded by our lovely listeners on Patreon. You can find out information by going to patreon.com slash eloquent gushing. And if you are wonderful enough to support us, anything, even from $1 a month, it gets you exclusive content. It gets you access to exciting, fun things that we've done in the past. You get cards, stickers, magnets, merchandise all sorts of great things, and you help to support the network and develop new shows. That's patreon.com slash eloquent gushing.
0: And we'll be back next week with another episode where we are going to continue Vampire Month with Blade. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay.
1: That is a terrible vampire name.
0: It really is. Who name's a vampire Jerry.
1: Oh, not Mandy Kay then.